0: Welcome to the Speckled Truth Podcast. This is the only show dedicated to the conservation of the trophy trout population from the East Coast to the Gulf Coast. Here, we go below the surface to discuss what happens when science and anglers work together for a cause. So gear up with the crew as they talk about all things big speckled trout. Get ready for the slimy, salty truth, better known as the Speckled Truth. Hey everyone, Captain Chris here. So as you remember, if you've listened to part one with Captain David Rousey, this is going to be part two of our conversation. And so before we get into the episode, just want to say thanks again for all the listenership uh, for season two, as well as all of our sponsors. Again, Real Sportswear, Miralore, Texas Custom Lores, Custom Quirky, Down South Lores, as well as Carboline. And so we just really want to say thanks, really appreciate their support. For supporting the podcast and hope you enjoy part two with Captain David Rousey. Take care. Again, kind of coming full circle though. So, you were that student, you were the recipient of that guidance. You're now kind of giving that guidance. And again, it kind of speaks to your character. But aside from that, you know, you and understanding the values and your core values as an angler, as a guide, you know, you're recruiting the the right type of maybe guide fleet and and at least coaching the right type of guide fleet that we need because let's segue to it right with regards to long-term sustainability of our fishery which you alluded to it earlier which was in demise to some extent Um, and so you not only taught these guys and recruiting the right type of guide on my end I'm trying to recruit the right type of angler so I want people to participate in a fishery. I want them to fall in love with a fishery. On the same token is I want the right type of people participating in a fishery. I want to see them succeed, but I also want to see them give back. Does that make sense? And I think a lot of people these days, they, they kind of want it for free, right? They want the, the easiest way from X to Z uh, instead of actually going back to the A, B, C's, and D's and understanding what it all means. Yep. To then go, man, that was a that was a long, arduous journey, but I appreciate I respect the resource now, and now I gotta give back to it. So it's that's why it's awesome, man, for me to have you here uh, and just talk to you and and know you and and obviously the company you keep is, you know, like none other. But the type of gods that you're recruiting into the fishery is the type of anglers I'm trying to recruit, and so hopefully those two world's mesh at some point and collide and then now we can start to maybe see some positive trends in our fishery right because you know let's let's talk about it right we, we've seen the fishery go down and so kind of what are your thoughts on that seeing the heyday of it in the 90s and when you started to what it is
1: now well i mean it's changed dramatically yeah i mean you know obviously we had this freeze in uh 2021 february and uh you know I discussed it with many other uh, active anglers and guides. And, you know, we were on a three-year run where we were just, I mean, trophy trout fishing was just, for the three years prior to the freeze, was just steady going down. Down. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, unlike areas like Rockport or Port Aransas or, you know, Matagorda we um, you know this is basically like a lake down here mm-hmm. you know you don't you're 45 miles from the closest pass so you're basically landlocked in Bath. And what's there is there and what breeds there stays there and you know since the early 2000s in Croker and I'm not blaming the Croker it's what you do with the Croker and the croker's not responsible for throwing the fish in the ice chest okay I don't care what you catch a fish on the responsibility comes after you land it. You either kill it all or you throw it back. Yep. It, it just, it's no, no, no different than the gun, you know? Yeah, so
0: actually um, when I had lunch with Jay and Cliff and Lowell over at Snoopy's, we were talking about really kind of the same thing. It's like Croaker aren't responsible for putting them in the ice chest, right? Because, Chris, let's face it, probably us here at this table – you give us a corky in the winter time we're going to do some damage right but we we have evolved as an angler we understand the fishery now that that's not sustainable and so you can do damage with great anglers and throwing throwing tails and corkies and whatever it is just the same as you would croaker croaker does i'm going to say it makes it easier yeah. for the novice right but again it's it's the mentality in each of those individuals that really puts them again into the ice chest which long-term sustainability if you continue to take more than you give you're going to have less to take
1: absolutely and uh you know and with the, the slot fish um you know down here there's i mean we have some porpoises in the bay but in baffin you know we don't very 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 few sharks i mean i've seen like five sharks in 32 years and most of them really and most of them really small and um uh, so once the trout gets to be 20 inches here, it's got all the potential in the world to become a trophy fish. Mm-hmm. And um, when you start, you know, they started with the top-end trout when Croaker first got started. And they, they did a number on them. And we were blessed. I mean, we still caught big fish, you know. I mean, I caught a lot of big fish up through, I think, oh, gosh, you know it was really good i'm gonna say to about 2012 i could be off on that and you know then it was you know you started seeing some changes and it eh, wasn't quite as many you we're still catching them but the three years prior to the freeze it was way down mm-hmm. and uh to the point myself and others were literally on the water sending texts going god can you believe this you know, you can catch your crap big yeah and uh the trout catches you know you're still catching a lot of solid fish but you just weren't catching as many of the big fish and you know it, it's just like hunting a ranch you know you, sh- you shoot out all your 20 to 25 not shoot out s- say you're shooting for the deer hunters a, a four-year-old 150 inch 10 point you know you start taking those out of the pool you're, you're left with a bunch of quote dinks yeah or call bucks and that's that's What's happened all up and down the Texas coast, and some bay systems get replenished a lot faster because they have coastal passes. That doesn't happen in Baffin and the Laguna mm-hmm. very much. Right. I mean, there's a little bit of an influx, but not much. And uh, so, every good quality fish you take out, or you know, if you string a 23-inch fish, I mean, that's just another fish that's not going to be there. And you know, what's replacing it? You're 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 just you're working backwards, mm-hmm. and you're just catching a lot more smaller fish every year. Now, you top that with the freeze of this year, uh, and I kept really good records of the freeze this year every day on the water. And um, and the best I can figure, I'm talking trout to hand to me as a fisherman in my group, because I keep records of all year round anyway. Yeah, But trout to hand after the freeze here in the laguna, I mean, absolutely conservatively down 80% in the Laguna Madre and, and a little bit lower in Baffin, but not much in the seventies. Yeah. And, um, and you know, so we got all the pressure on the bay. Um, just tons of boats, tons of people, people still killing trout, you know? And, you know, so what do we have in the future? I mean, this is one of those times more than ever in my career that, you know, we really have got to be focused on catch and release right now, and I've always promoted it, and some other guys do that really have a love for the fishery, but uh, but there's a lot of guys out there that just they could care less. I mean, right. they they think it's theirs for the taking, and you know.
0: Well, it's, they maybe sometimes feel it's it's just a never-ending resource. It's not. We'll never hurt them with rod and reel to the point, man. I, I disagree. You've obviously just stated that you know keeping records, and I think that's the important part about it. I mean, we've seen in our citation data, although that's a a very small microcosm of things, but I can tell you it's down significantly as well. Uh, And that's the number of 27-inch trout or above registered into our program. And that's why we did the citation program. Was if we had some of these things, we could maybe see maybe some of those trends and in. You know, then go back and see what's going on. Well, I would attribute obviously the downslope in Texas this year, and the amount of citations registered, as a result of the freeze. Right? We had it was a it was a kill event, and so obviously some areas got affected more than others. But still, number of pressure or the amount of pressure, uh, no change in mindset doesn't necessarily that that trend may not come up next year. You know, and, and that's where I think. You know you again teaching guides hopefully us teaching anglers are like man we can take an active role into getting the fishery back to where it needs to be not to say you got to keep everything or kill everything or or catch and release everything uh but man just be responsible And, and aside from that like understand like i fished the last two days i didn't keep one trout would i would my kids appreciate some trout going home today absolutely But you know what? It's the right thing to do post-freeze, and and I had a great time and and caught plenty fish. And that's where just that simple change in mindset of just, it's the responsible thing to do. And I I keep harping on it, but anyway, I'm sorry to divest there, No, no,
1: you're fine. I I just, you know, and that's the thing. You know, there's a lot of guys that uh, released their trout this year, but some of those same guys, not all of them, but... You know, said, so, you know, next year we'll start keeping them again. And I'm like, well, where are these? Why would you start keeping them next year? Yeah. I said, the only new fish you have in the bay are the ones that spawn. So you're talking about an inch long fish. Yeah. You know, I was like, there are no new fish in the bay. In fact, there's less fish because of the ones people killed during the warmer months. Right. And, uh, you know, this, this, you know, I, I know I'm not going to be keeping any trout on my boat this coming season again. Mm-hmm. And my clients, th- clients do not care i mean if you know and now granted i am keeping zero trout uh if they want to keep a redfish or a drum that we happen to hook into that's fine but we're not keeping limits of those since the freeze i bet i have a clean 30 fish no kidding yeah and that's a lot of man hours on the water yeah and
0: uh it's not to say you didn't catch a lot of fish no no we caught a ton of fish Right.
1: So, I mean, I don't want people to go, oh, well, the reason he's not cleaning fish is no, because he's not catching. No, 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 we I mean, <laughs> yeah. we caught a lot more fish than I thought we were going to catch after the freeze. And, uh, um, but it's just, it's a credit to the customers, the clients, the anglers, you know, they understand the situation. And they're like, hey, you know, we're out here to have a good time. And this is a very something i want to say because i've had people tell me well those people rely on those fish to feed their families <laughs> whoa back up they're not spending 800 to a thousand dollars to fish with you as a guide so they can might catch a few fish you know yeah. i said you don't realize how expensive that fillet is you know how many fillets you can buy a farm-raised fish at heb for that much yeah. money how much beef you could buy i said do not give me that argument that they're feeding their families. No, this is about the sport, you know? Yeah, they're feeding them Wagyu, man. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's
0: like that expensive. Uh, uh, exactly. Per pound, right? Yeah. I mean, equivalent, right? And once you actually start factoring costs, lodging, bait, food, keep going, right? Yeah, I mean, by that by that point, it's like $50 a pound. Yeah. You know? Probably at a minimum. At a minimum. Yeah. Exactly. So, anyway, that's a good point, though. That's a really good point. So, I mean... All right, where we're, at, where we're at now, I mean, propositions in, in terms of getting back to that heyday. I, I pose the question, I actually really like your thoughts on this, it, and I'm not, this is, this is dangerous territory, I'm not going to lie, right? But, you know, listen to Cliff's stories, listen to your stories, 85-pound stringer from a day, right? Catching seven to nine-pounders like it's nothing. Well, hell, man, I mean, how do we get it back to that? Do we... Do we close a fishery, make it catch and release only for a couple of years to see how it responds? Because I would venture to say that I I think a lot of your clientele, a lot of guides' clientele would be super interested in having an 85 pound stringer day. Oh, yeah. Even if they had to release them all. Yeah. So why not? You know, uh, just throw it out there. And I know that's, you know, probably a, a. far too gone well uh, concept, it, it, it's not
1: it's not far too gone but a lot of things would have to happen yeah. you know and a lot of it's politics you know and you know like make baffin catch and release only for three years i mean yeah <laughs> i would love that but <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm not that far out there right, i right. mean
0: i'm sorry no, that's what i'm saying i know it's down dangerous ground no it's
1: me. it's it's uh it's it, it could be there you know if if you know, as much as I love being a, a, uh, in Texas and considering myself a Texan, even though I was born in Louisiana, you know, I wish our I wish our fisheries was, was regulated more like a Florida, more like the Mountain States, more like Alaska. You know, they take those fisheries so serious, mm-hmm. and they go just way beyond to make sure that they have great fisheries, not only for numbers but for quality. And uh, Parks and Wildlife does a lot of good things. Uh, I know their hands get tied on a lot of it. But, uh, you know, it will never be the same unless some drastic actions are taken. You know, unfortunately, I just heard that they're fixing to, you know, the, uh, what's the word, from this JFK South. Mm -hmm. That whole deal's fixing to be lifted and it's fixing to be back to five again. Gotcha. With one over 25 how could you even shut the fishery down after a freeze if you're going to take it back to that i yeah. mean i i totally don't understand it um you know and, and i will walk down a dangerous road you know as far as this conversation goes i, I mean a lot of people don't like me anyway because of my stance and i'm perfectly yeah. fine with that yeah uh but you know in my opinion you know what needs to be done is they need to even if you kept croakers a game fish I mean, kept it as live. If, well, let's, let me back up. If you eliminated croaker as a live bait, it would fix a lot of problems just to start with. Yeah. Uh, you would, obviously the trout would rebound exponentially if there were no croaker fishing. There are so many guides now. I mean, guides are just running out the woodwork. Uh, most of them are part-time, but if there weren't croaker, most of those would go away. Mm-hmm which would also further help the trout come back. And you would also regain something we've, other thing we lost, and that's a croaker fishery. That doesn't exist anymore. I mean, they have completely wiped that fishery out for the guys on the piers and the, you know, uh, soaking bait and the channels and stuff. All that's disappeared. I mean, we we wiped out that the croaker or the use of the croaker and the way that's being used has wiped out two fisheries, trout, because they're going in an ice chest and croaker, because they can't get big enough to, you know, to yeah. be caught again. Uh, but that's the short answer what needs to be done, in my opinion. Uh, you know, it's it's way too political of a subject. Uh, uh, I know it'll never be done, uh, yeah. but it needs to be done.
0: Yeah, and, and, I mean, I know that's, again, a slippery slope in terms of, you know, talking about it, you know, but on the same token is the heart's there in terms of trying to get a fishery back to what it once was you know it and that's that's I think where the true intent is and and I'm open to whatever measures have to happen to get it back to that as opposed to perpetually going down um, a, a more restrictive role role and I said it actually in the last podcast I did with Todd Masson uh, from Louisiana actually and that was you know I'm not knocking on the doors of the Capitol asking for tighter limits what I'm trying to do is like reach into your heart and in anglers' hearts across the country, uh, across the coast, and be like, man, it, it doesn't have to be restrictive. You can restrict yourself. You can yeah. impose your own limits and X, Y, or Z, and be again a part of that solution. And and that's all I'm really trying to do. And and so, man, I, I know we've kind of beat that topic to death. And I, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted well, to. Well, kind of I'm just going to
1: say that you know, it's kind of something I came up with in my head that you know this it really is like politics in a way. you know the same guys that don't want the federal government in their pocket or telling them what to do, they use the argument. well, that's the law, that's what Parks and wildlife legally limit tells us so that's what we're going to do. Well, at the same time, you hate the government because they're telling you what to do, yeah. but you're flipping it back over to using the, the Texas government to your advantage you know telling you that you can do that so you're gonna do it so now now the government's the big your big buddy yeah and uh, you know the what I see though what I'm really hopeful or what I do see up and coming is uh, younger guys way younger than myself are really learning to be pro catch and release I got to give it to them and they, they're carrying the message really well. A lot of them are catching on to it. A lot of them aren't, you know, they, they want to do their glory shots on social media and mm. throw them up on the front deck of the boat and throw yeah. them over their shoulder. Uh, there's still a bunch of young guys that do that, but for the most part, the, the young guys I'm around and really spend a lot of time with, them and even their friends outside of my circle, you know, they're, they've really down with the catch and release and they want a trophy fishery because you know they'll go out and they'll say you know we really whacked them today and i'm like well what's whacking them say well joe caught six trout up to four pounds and i'm like oh okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) and he goes i had eight and you know i had six trout and two reds and i said that's really whacking them i said that sounds like a damn slow day to me i said let me tell you this story where you know you could do this you know that was a super slow day because you would catch a hundred trout from two to five pounds in an afternoon yeah you know literally and i was like those are good days that's what we had and that is what has been taken away from too many people harvesting too many fish regulations that are way too liberal for the amount of people that are utilizing the resource and then you throw a freeze in on top of it yeah i mean like guys come on i mean this is this is as easy as reading a pothole i mean you know
0: it is inspiring though that some folks are coming around i mean we've seen it you know we got a lot of messages well that you know folks are just coming around and saying hey man i used to be go out there you know catch and kill them all now i'm i'm keeping just a few right for me and my family and whatever it is and you know i appreciate that so i take those messages of inspiration to keep going I take you know inspiration from literally having these conversations with you, with Doc McKee, with Jay Watkins. I mean, you just keep going, Cliff Webb. You know, all sharing kind of that same uh, era mindset. Like they give it context. You guys give it context of where we are now versus where we were, and so I think that's important to understand where we were, to where we are now, to where we we want to get back to. And I think that's important, man. So again. The inspiration comes from you, it comes from anglers, it comes from, again, probably clientele and -and up-and-coming guides, kind of adopting a mentality of long-term sustainability. So, I'm sorry, man, we beat that one to death. I apologize. No, it's okay. I
1: mean, it needs to be said. I'm Like I said, I mean, anybody that knows why I guide, they know this about me already. Right. So, you know. i'm I'm sure there'll be still people that find it offensive but i I really don't give a damn at this point in my life i never have to be honest with you uh you know i started guiding to 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 help do what i could to yeah i don't want to say save the fishery that's a little much of a word but to do what i to do what i can to preserve what i know it can be is a better way of saying it i think and uh you know it's um it's because you love it, though. I love it. I'm passionate about it. It's it's my life. I mean, it's why I moved to Corpus Christi, you know? Yeah. I didn't come down here to make a bunch of money. I came down here to fish. And, it, and it's, you know, it's it's my whole world revolves around it. And yeah. uh, the friendships to the memories to you name it. I mean, it's, it's all based in fishing. And, you know, fishing is great. Anytime you're setting the hook is a special thing. But when you're getting to do it on lots of big fish in one day it's even better and you know unfortunately we've just moved away from those days and it's going to take a huge grassroots effort the young guys that are already doing it the older guys that are changing their ways uh the guides have such a huge influence or can have such a huge influence and some of them uh, you know we've had conversations are scared to death that they're gonna lose business over it by And I'm like, why do you think that? I was like, I'm as busy. I mean, I give trips away constantly. And, you know, I'm not losing any business over it, you know. Yeah. People want to go out and have a good time, enjoy the sport. And most importantly, they want to learn how to fish on their own, you know. And, um, you know, you're not going to lose business at all over it. I mean, in fact, I think it. in a lot of cases it would help your business. It would look like you're a more responsible steward of the bay um and y'all have so much
0: influence man i mean people that fish with y'all i mean you are the guide right you are their conduit to a resource for some folks that may not have done that before to some folks that have done that before looking to learn more Uh, let's face it i hang on to you guys every word right because of what y'all have done and 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 the things that y'all have seen and I've I've been fortunate enough to to experience a resource and catch a lot of big fish as well, but on the same token as a lot of those guys that may not have experienced that, man, they're hanging on every single word that you guys, and not just you, but guides in general. Yeah. Quote unquote guides.
1: Well, that's the thing. The guide is teaching them whether they realize it or not, they're either teaching them the right way or the wrong way. It's mm-hmm. one of the two. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of guides that teach to kill. You know, I mean, that's that's their. They think it's not a successful day unless you hang them on a hook at the end of the day, and that's unfortunate as far as I'm concerned. But you know, a photograph of a good fish, even if you're fishing out of the boat and letting that fish go, that photograph looks so good on the wall versus a bag of frozen, freezer-burned fillets. Yeah two years later down the road and a thought just crossed in my head and I want to say something to young guides and this question's come up a lot and uh some of the young guides that are trying to get into the business and you know a lot of them are really salty young guys I mean they remind me of myself when I was in my 20s but they get a guides license and the next thing I know they're running a, a, a croaker trip and I'm like why are you doing that and uh, they're like, well, I, you know, the, the, I got to do it for the business. I'm like, well, you've got a job. I was like, this is one of the most important things to understand. If you think you're a lure fisherman and you're passionate about it and that's the way you want to be a guide, do that and that only. Don't do it for the money. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You know, if you're not out there fishing the way that you enjoy fishing, I mean, what's the point? I yeah. mean, do your thing the way you love to do it and that's why i do what i do when i when i first made up my um my website in 2005 i think our buddy mutual friend mike mcbride i let him see it before i made it public yeah and he's like bro you're not going to get a single charter and i'm like why is that and he says well can't keep any fish over 20 uh you're limiting them to three beers per person. <laughs> I've since removed that because I, I've learned that if you're out wade fishing, you don't have time to drink beer. So I'll just let them bring what they want. Only twice have I had to take, bring groups in that were getting belligerent. Yeah. And uh, and I said, well, you know, Mike, I don't need the money. I've got a good gig to make a living. Yeah. And uh, so I'm going to do it my way. Well, it turns out that was a perfect business plan. And, you know, so I, I get like Jay or whoever else that does it like that. I get the cream of the crop, you know? I get the guys that, you know, they're in it to to fish because they love the sport, they want to be educated, and I'm not getting the Chamber of Commerce crowd, but I'm doing it the way I want to do it. And uh, that's real important as a young guide, to a young guide, is to do it the way it's fun for you, and, you know, you're entering these tournaments with lures and, you know, that's what you really love to do, but, you know, you're going out and croaker fishing yeah. and you know and then you feel like you're obligated to kill the fish because you're croaker fishing right so anyway but just something I wanted to add for the young guys this season
0: we'd like to recognize one of our newest sponsors and that is down south lures from their regular 4-inch southern shad to the 5-inch supermodel and versatile 3-inch burner Shads, it's easy to see why these baits have become a go-to for many Texas anglers Designed with their unique hybrid tail, its natural swims-in-the-fall action produces big trout not only here in the Texas coast, but across all estuaries. Aside from that, though, they're made right here in the USA. So be sure to support this Texas brand that supports you in pursuit of that next big bite. Real Sportswear humbly started making shirts for a few local fishermen. Rooted in simplicity and utility, reel's minimalist approach is a reflection of what binds the fishing industry together. Now found throughout many coastal retailers, their lineup of comfortable and functional gear aims to make your time in the water a success. So next time you're gearing up, wear guides wear and consider reel sportswear. Mirror Lure is an iconic inshore fishing lure company found in every angler's arsenal. From their legendary lineup of lures such as the Top Dog and Catch 2000, to their versatile soft plastics like the Little John and Marshmallow, These lures not only catch fish, but have produced for decades. So whether it's a 17MR or a Paul Brown Cerise Fat Boy, always remember to tie on a mirror lure and turn on the bike. Texas Custom Lures and the original Custom Corky have been podcast sponsors for the first two seasons and we're incredibly appreciative. This Texas brand with inputs from the most respectable guides across the Texas coast, complete every big trout anglers arsenal with great fish catching colors. My personal favorites, Texas turnip, bay mistress, plum nasty, to name a few. It's easy to see how these things produce time and time again. So next time you're targeting that next big bite, I highly encourage you to fish the original custom Corky and remember the big girls aren't colorblind. So you mentioned a couple stories, uh, just legendary stories down south, right? I mean, what, what was one that kind of stands out to you? Um, or was it that one with Mike or, or were there oh, others?
1: Well, I mean, those were, those two days in a row oh, were yeah, two yeah. Su- very significant days back to back. Um, but, you know. Or what, does a certain fish stand out to you the most? You know.
0: Lost or handed?
1: Yeah, Chris, I've got a ton of stories. I, we can sit here for <laughs> hours day, and, day, I, I, and tell fish stories. But uh, uh, one of my favorite stories uh, doesn't even involve me. I wasn't there, but it it, it, it goes back to when I stopped finishing fishing tournaments. Uh, I, I stopped fishing tournaments in 2012, and um, and and I, it it what happened is i still love to fish tournaments i was really competitive and i loved all of that but it was hard to get on the right fish for tournaments and because at that time i was guiding full-time yeah and 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 be successful in getting my clients on fish every day and it just got to be just too much and if i fished a two-day tournament on the weekend that meant you know my you know that would put me at a minimum of four or how many days is that you know 14 days on the water or whatever 12 days in a row I'm which, from south Louisiana so I'm yeah I can't not count that. either yeah <laughs> and uh but anyway but my last tournament partner when it was two-man teams was uh a gentleman named Mark Holt I know you know that name yep, yep. and um he and McBride we were introduced that's a cool story in itself I'd always heard uh Mark's name through McBride and one day fishing I say one day, it was actually one night, fishing Cathead at 2 o'clock in the morning. I got out there about midnight. Foggy, March, calm wind. I mean, dense fog. You can't see anything. And it's night on top of it. And I'm sitting out there fishing all night. It starts barely breaking light, and you still can't see 30 feet. And I hear a cough. And I'm like, hey. You know, it's like, hey. And, you know, we're talking to each other in the fog. Yeah. And me and this guy walk up on each other and he's got a, a, a really big trout on his stringer. And he, I'm like, wow, nice trout. And he's like, yeah, I'm gonna release it. He's like, can you just snap a picture of it for me real quick? And I'm like, sure, and I take a picture of it, and he releases the fish right there. And we introduce ourselves, it was Mark Holt. And, and I was like, Mark Holt? And he's like, David Rousey, and he's like, oh, McBride, blah, 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 and, yeah. you know, we make that connection, and we sit there and just visit forever. And um, eventually we become tournament partners at the end of my tournament fishing and uh but this story is a mark holt story what a fine he he's an absolute animal this guy he's truly he's so under the radar and he's the most mild-mannered soft-spoken but he's the most hardcore fanatical fisherman i've probably ever met and um mark caught this fish way in the back of baffin one time and um he's got a cabin up at the mouth of baffin and he, he caught this fish and it was like i don't remember exactly but it was over 11 it's like 11 and a half pushing 12 pounds and he knew it was his lifetime fish and he's like you know i'm finally going to mount a fish he never mounted one all the big fish he had crawled over the years and he uh he said he got the fish up to her and she rolled over on her side and he said you know her eyeball looked like a silver dollar she was so big and he said i instantly knew that i couldn't kill the fish and And he's like, "What am I going to do? I got to have a picture of this fish." And he dumped out an ice chest in his little 18-foot boat. That's you know, it looks he looks like a commercial fisherman out there. He's always by himself, and he's got a boat from the 80s to this day. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. And I mean, you think he's running trot lines out there, but he's he's a badass. So he dumps out this ice chest, and uh, he fills it up with salt water, and puts the fish in the in the ice chest, no aerator or anything runs the boat to the mouth of Baffin, comes across a commercial fisherman, waves him, waves and asks if he can come in. The guy waves him in and he's like, hey, I caught this huge trout, can you just take a picture for me? And the guy's like, sure. And so he jumps out of the boat, grabs the fish, takes the picture, throws it back in the ice chest. The commercial guy says, I thought you were gonna release it. He said, I am. He said, but I'm gonna release it where I caught it. And so, and if I remember the story right, it was like 12 miles one way to where he had caught the fish, so it's just one of the coolest stories. So he put the fish back in his ice chest, drove it back the 12 miles the way he just came, and released it right back on the same shoreline exactly where he caught the fish. That's badass. And uh, you know, just let her go. That's to me. That's just that yeah. is just a class move beyond class move. And uh, you know, I fished tournaments before where they give you the fish back. They're alive, but they give them, it's your responsibility to let them go. And Mark and I have actually done that in a tournament. And, uh, you know, put them back in the boat and ran back south. Like I'd launched here at Bluffs, the tournament was at marker 37. Ran them back south, you know, on the second day, you know, the tournament was over. And uh, released them right back where we caught them. Mm -hmm. The only reason I would have ever thought to do that was because of that story. But uh, I've had some really... uh, you know, I, I've, i you know, in 32 years of fishing down here, I've caught six trout over 10 and one over 11. And, you know, I know that sounds like a lot of fish, but when you consider the man hours I've put in to do it, I mean, that's not a lot of fish. Yeah. I mean, that is thousands and thousands and thousands of man hours to accomplish that. I haven't caught a 10 pounder in, I think, six years. Uh, Nor has a client. Uh, caught a lot of nines, nine plusers. Uh, uh your friend Michael Fry caught a, a one last year right stunned. before the freeze. He yep. caught a thirty one nine and a half right before the freeze this year. So uh, I saw him in a magazine, in Texas Saltwater Fish magazine. We we're at work and
0: I was like in my break in our break room and I just so happened to open it and I'm like, Look at this and then he had uh I I took a picture of it and then I texted it to him and he's like, Man, he put that in there <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> That's a damn good fish, man. Yeah, I haven't even
1: used that photograph yet. I mean, I I I don't think I've used that photograph. I, I'll probably use it this year. I've got but you can tell it's huge cuz Mike's not a small guy. No, yeah. And he's... uh and, I mean this fish looks huge in the picture. But uh you know, I can remember uh wade fishing at East Clayburg Point one night and um and my old tournament partner Matt Holly he was living in Houston, working for like Spal Glass or some big commercial construction company, and he drove in and he hadn't he had done like a concrete pour that morning, like it you know he'd been up since midnight the night before. Yeah. So he got there and we loaded up on the boat, went down to Cat not Cathead but East Claybird Point and started fishing at night and everything was right, the bait was right and two hours into it, Matt, <laughs> he's like man I he goes I'm literally falling asleep on my feet. And he said i gotta lay down and i said, like go ahead and I said, i'm said, i gonna keep fishing and i fished i caught a bunch of small fish nothing big matt gets out of the boat unbeknownst to me walks up behind me and matt's he's a real tall guy and he's got a he's got a kind of a high-pitched voice and he never tells me he's in the water he goes you're catching anything just scared the hell out of me <laughs> yeah about you know jumped out of my boots and i'm like no man you know and my heart's racing because of him and, I mean, I'm trying all night to catch a good fish. And he just, like, makes one cast and is talking to me and just, ba-boom. And he catches, like, an eight and a half, like yeah. his first cast out of the boat. And I'm like, God, God, you know. <laughs> yeah. I was so mad. Yeah. But it, it rolled on into daylight morning. And I've got a lure hanging up here somewhere that a lot of people never got into throwing. I loved it, but I would only throw it when I knew I was in big, big fish. And it's called a Yozuri Hydro Pencil. It's a huge top water, Big old number one hooks on it. And I was throwing it that morning and I threw it over a rock pile that I knew was in front of me. It was a real long rock pile. and this thing gets crushed and, uh, I, and she's coming out of the water. I can tell you know I, it's 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 one of those fish. It's a 10 plus or. I don't know if it's 10 or 12. I just know it's huge. And uh, I, I get her up to me, everything's going right. She starts dogging down towards my feet and where I'm you know she's like right under me and'm I'm, I'm trying to pull her up with a rod, but she's so strong I can't. And all of a sudden my rod goes off in the air and you know you hear it snap and uh, she comes loose and I'm like oh my god you know this is I yeah. mean, this was really affecting me because I knew this help oh, this was a lifetime type fish and um, we're sitting there talking about it in discuss I was and all of a sudden my top water floats to the top you know she shook it yeah so I grabbed it and what she had done is uh, when she went under my feet, she got the leader to come up from the bottom side of the hooks where the, the hooks are welded together, yeah. and she got it in that crease and was pulling oh so hard gosh. she snapped it. So that thing was still in there. And I mean, it was so tight, it was like playing a guitar, you know? No shit. But that's how I lost that fish, but that was a real memorable one. And uh, uh, another great story, a great lesson, uh, is uh, we were fishing a bash tournament one time, and... We were in the Badlands, and I was up in this—I mean, I had some fish, like, pinned up in this little bitty tight area. I mean, you couldn't really even fish two people in it. And uh, I walked in there with a, a, a Halloween or an 808-colored fat boy, and I threw up in there. And I'd already made a lot of casts, but I finally get a hit, and I set the hook, and this, you know— I mean, it was an 8-pound class type fish, huge for a tournament. right. She comes up just shaking her head like crazy, and I'm on the reel handle, you know, trying to get the slack out. And she goes down, and she comes back up again, and I think I've got it under control. And she throws my corky off to the side, and I just see it go tumbling through the air. (laughs) And I'm just like, oh, my God. Well, it hit the water, and I'm in knee-deep water, and I just put both hands on my knees and bend over and just like, you know, just, oh, my God. I can't believe I just lost that fish, you know. And... I'm sitting there, my rod tips in the water, I'm bent over on my knees, and all of a sudden my rod just lunges forward, Yeah. and, and I just naturally set the hook, and another fish was with her, and the second fish ate the corky when it no. flew out of that one's mouth, and it caught me off guard. I got a terrible hook set on yeah. it. Got her halfway to me, then she threw it. <laughs> and you talk about just <laughs>
0: insult the injury
1: just head screwing you for the day i mean i was so disgusted that was one of oh, the, the shit. one of the biggest heartbreaks i ever had in a tournament because i mean that one was ours to be had i mean we'd had a big first day and i think we were in second place on the first day and that happened and you know we caught our fish but it you know i think we finished in the top five if i remember right but Good. you know but, you know, just have two big fish hit you on one catch. <laughs> and just see that lure. You just, and, you know, yeah, you've Chris, slow motion, you,
0: like, uh...
1: I mean, how many times have you caught a fish and reeling it in and there's another one darting oh, yeah. around it? I mean, I've seen it a million times. And most guys that fish enough have seen it a lot. Absolutely. Redfish, trout, they all do it. And that's what happened. It just happened to be two big fish. And, Wonderful. uh, but, you know, uh, on the flip side, uh, uh fishing a trout masters tournament. It was actually the first trout masters I ever won. And it was in Rockport. And uh, I was fishing some spoil islands and the spoil islands from barge traffic had these deep guts cut into them. And it was almost like like when you're snow skiing and you're on moguls, you know, mm-hmm. the humps yeah. in the snow. So you would you would drop off in one trench and you'd cast around these moguls and then you would have to step up on another mogul to go a little bit further. Well, I, was, I had two rods with me, and I had a topwater, a ghost full-size super spook. It's a lure they don't make anymore on one, and I had a bass assassin on the other. And I am i got up on this mogul, and I'm working this topwater through a a deep gut that is maybe five or six feet wide at the most. And the sun was just right. And um, as I'm working that topwater, I see a big trout come up under the topwater. And just look at it, and I just watch her fall down tail first. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, she she checked it out, but she just would not commit to it. I'm literally right by the bank. I reel it in real fast. I toss that rod instead of taking the time to put it in my back. I toss the rod up on the bank. I grab my bass assassin rod. I throw in there, and I, like, bump it twice, get a hit boom six and a half pound trout and without a doubt i mean that was my anchor fish that gave me my first trout master win so okay. you know you got stories like that lots of you know i cleaned off this table so you'd have room to set up your equipment but there's a bunch of pictures stacked up over there of fish that i used to do a lot more seminars and uh, uh you know for fishing clubs and what have you but most of those pictures over there are clients that have caught I mean, there's probably ten pitchers in those eight by eleven frames, and maybe twelve, and two thirds of them are clients that have caught ten pound trout with me. No so, kidding. Yeah, so That's amazing. Th- those those days were very very special, and uh, um, so anytime you got a memory like that, uh, you know, uh, I've got just tremendous memories of young kids coming out and that are just are so nervous about getting up to fish and just watching them have a tremendous day and just knowing at that moment you just gut hook that kid for life right and uh you know getting texts or from his dad years later going hey we're gonna book a trip little sam man you ruined him that's all we do now is fish he goes i've spent a fortune on guides freshwater, saltwater. salt water you know uh but I don't know a lot of great catching memories, a lot of unfortunate memories of uh, uh losing fish and uh but memories I've made with clients are very very special, just seeing people catch their lifetime best fish that i I think are quite positive they'll never catch a bigger trout, yeah, those days are really special to me um back to tournaments again, you know I, I told you the story about you know. the the small guys were winning the tournaments and I needed to fish shallower. And I'll credit uh, those tournaments for something it taught me as well besides that. Tournaments really, even though I I could go out any day and catch fish in my home water and big fish just about every day, uh, when you're traveling up and down the coast, I really learned a technique of fishing that everybody referred to as grinding. And what grinding really meant, You know, getting in an area where you know there were good fish and just sticking it out, hero or zero, and just being able to, you know, learning to be able to stay there longer than most people when they would give up, you know, just saying they're not gonna do it and leave, yeah. and you know, uh, that was something that really, it's it, it, it benefited me throughout my fishing career or tournament career, but it's something that uh, has really benefited me throughout my fishing career as time went on and you know I had to do that a lot with my clients because so many people hire me to catch big fish and uh you know the realization of it they hire you to catch big trout in Baffin or the upper laguna but 90 percent of them don't have the patience to do it okay about 10 percent actually have the patience to Mm -hmm. catch big trout and put in the time and are willing to sacrifice you know Hours of not getting a bite to get that one bite. There's really very few guys that can do that that I've learned. and But the guys that want to do it, you know, I, I have to sell them on what we're talking about, the grind. Yeah. And, you know, that has paid off for me so many times where we didn't get a lot of bites, but, you know, uh, uh, we stuck it out. They stuck it out. And, you know, so, some days, and I, I'm just, they're just rolling in my mind right now. Yeah. You know, bottom of the ninth, you know, Them catching an eight or nine pound trout and you know just being so grateful that they stuck it out,
0: shaking and shaking voice quivering. Oh man, and so uh, the reason I'm being silent over here is because I'm just taking it all in and understanding that, and that's what makes them so special to us, right? That's why we love them so freaking much, and that's why we do you know what we can to try to again conserve our resource because that little i say little but those freckle fish man teach you so much more about life than just fishing oh absolutely. you know they teach you that persistence that grind that patience you know they teach you humility absolutely. you know they also reward you with you know some some positive reinforcement when you finally do catch her and some confidence and man these are life lessons that you learn targeting a fish and that's what we try to connect with people is that man that is that's the truth, man. That's the truth. And so that's why I'm quiet cuz I'm kind of internalizing. I'm trying to be empathetic and understand kind of all the things that you're saying and try to collectively bring it together for folks cuz this is our final podcast for the season. And so we'll we'll be we won't be on air for, you know, a little bit of time, but I just wanted to kind of bring that all back home of like why it's so important, why we love them so much is because again, these fish teach us more about life than just catching. Absolutely. So, Captain Rousey, thank you.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Man, I appreciate it. I know it. I ran off on some tangents. On no. You. I, apologize. <laughs> hey,
0: I can almost 100% guarantee all the listeners will be like, Chris, yeah, thanks for not interrupting. They, they want to hear these tangents. They want to hear these stories. They want to they wanna kind of understand who you are and, and some of the things that you've seen, and that's important. Uh, that people see that and understand that. So again, man, thanks so much, Yeah, David. Well, Chris, Appreciate it.
1: Thank you for being here. I know it's a long time coming. I know you yeah. fished with me the day after you had done your first one with Watkins. Yes, sir. And I told you that, uh, you want to hear the good news or bad news? <laughs> uh, the good news is you got Watkins to do it. Number one, the, 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 bad, the bad news is you'll never top him. And, uh, so, uh, you've, you've had quite a run doing this for two years now. Yes, so it's pretty awesome. And, yes, uh, I'm sorry I was so slow to no. honor your your request of doing it, but uh, uh, it's it's been really enjoyable. And I, I will say, just say one thing, and I'm just going to reiterate this, that uh, uh, this fishery can be hurt with a rod and reel. Uh, we've already done it. Uh, and it's really up to us to police ourselves. And if if we don't do it, nobody else is going to look out for us. And I mean, if you're happy with a mediocre fishery, you know, just Keep doing what you're doing and getting what you're getting. It's it's that simple. Uh, It's going to take an effort by everybody, and I would really challenge, especially the guides, to do the responsible thing because they are teaching their clients, whether good or bad, they're teaching them one side of the story or the other. And uh, you know we all make a living out here, and we're blessed to be able to do this. It's like a dream come true for most people that are really passionate about it. And uh, but we got to be real careful not to fish ourselves out of a fishery it's just I just hope especially the guides is who I'm really speaking to if any of them happen to listen to this and uh, but for the young guys that I know are listening to this y'all just keep that in mind and uh, it's up to y'all it's on your shoulders and uh, just do it the right way take pride in releasing them and you know take your great pictures put put those on social media but let them go as soon as you snap your shot and you know, let's bring the fishery back. It's going to take us. We can't wait around on the politics yeah. to do it for us. Yep. We have got to do it ourselves right now, especially since the freeze. If we don't do it now, if we don't jump on board, you know, it's, it's going to be in a really, really sad state in the future. So, so to quote you
0: uh, on every article you write uh, for Texas Saltwater Fishing Magazine, remember the buffalo.
1: Remember the buffalo. That's cool. right. Remember what happened to them. And I just happened to have this out. It has nothing to do with this, but um, this is an arrowhead. No shit. And I I just broke it. Here's the other piece to it. But can can you see that in a buffalo? (laughs) Goodness gracious, no. That's from West Texas. That's crazy, man. Isn't that beautiful? That's beautiful. But, uh, you know, we saw what happened to the buffalo, and we don't want that to happen to all the fish. That's Uh, beautiful. We can, uh, we just all got to do our part now, and uh, so that's it.
0: Yeah. Well, everyone, hey, thanks so much. I really appreciate all your listenership. If you've heard um, this podcast, want to say thanks for your listenership. Really appreciate it. Always remember um, to support our sponsors. Again, Real Sportswear, Texas Custom Lures, and the original Custom Quirky down south floors as well as Carbon Line. And uh, always remember, take what you need, release the rest, tight lines, and God bless. Take care.